Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, your daily dose of David Ingram. And we are bringing you today, not just me, but also a special guest. She'll be discussing a superhero film like no other. It's not from the MCU and it is definitely not from DC because this one actually, I think, came out on its planned release date and didn't get deleted from the Warner Brothers archives. Sorry, guys. But we are looking forward to reviewing this film and discussing it, getting down deep into it. It is about five superhuman teenagers with extraordinary abilities bestowed upon them by a floating head and a robot with a very high-pitched voice, at least in the original show, uh, based on the 1990s phenomenon of Mighty Morphin, insert the name here. This film is the 2017 Power Rangers film, as directed by Dean Israelite, starring lots of people that you will probably recognise and we'll get into in a minute. But let me just first introduce my guest today for today's episode. She's an author, she's a podcaster as well, loves a bit of Percy Jackson, and um, as I just said, because she is an author, she's just just as this is going out in the past month, released her very first novel, Home to the Wild, which we will discuss a little bit of briefly in a minute, but I'll let her do the talking in terms of that. And I'm just very excited to have her on the podcast. This is Francesca McMahon. How are you doing, Fran? Hiya, I am doing well, thank you. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, <laughs> for full disclosure, this is the third time we've recorded this, so hopefully... <laughs> we will not have to say this is the fourth time we're doing this because technology just apparently hates me today. But never, without <laughs> doubt, we will try and bring you this episode. So Fran, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you know me and what you what you do, basically, and give us a little bit of an insight into you know, yourself as a creative. Yeah, so uh, I am Fran. I'm an author of currently just one series at the moment, which is just debuting, which is the Into the Wild series, which is Call of the Wild meets Tarzan, but with lesbians. Um, <laughs> the first book, Home to the Wild, is out right now. There's a short story that is already out that's set before that book. I also run two podcasts, one called The Best Damn Camp, which for any Percy Jackson fans who may be listening, you'll understand the pun. And I also run a Once Upon a Time podcast with a bunch of friends called Entering Storybrook. And yeah, I'm just constantly busy all the time doing lots of creative stuff. Um, I'm doing it full time at the moment as well. So if, if you guys are interested in like wolves, please buy the book because I am actually currently broke. <laughs> <laughs> On that note as well, I still need to buy my coffee. So don't worry, Fran, you'll be getting an additional like whatever it is, $9.99 coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. No problem. I have to start everything now with, <laughs> I'm broke, guys. Please support me just to try and see if that will work. Oh but, God. Um... But yeah, uh, look, no, honestly, no, it's brilliant having you on. And honestly, listening to you talk about your passion for what you do, obviously give the podcast a listen there, but more specifically, I'll, I want to, you know, how do you, how do we know each other? Because I feel like that's a, a topic that I like to mention, but it's also very cringy at the same time. Like, would you like to tell <laughs> us about how we know each other and a specific thing that I, I, I'm remembering now, and I'm sure you do remember because you reminded me earlier mm-hmm. of, of how, how we met. <laughs> Or at least one of the encounters. <laughs> yes, one of the uh, one of the encounters. So me and David went to uh, secondary school together, and uh, David was very lovely and helped me with a media project that I was doing, which was an adaptation of one of my own books that I wrote when I was fifteen, where David is playing 
um, what can only be described as a very camp, very aggressive dance teacher. Um, who was French, <laughs> by the way, who was French. Who was French, yeah, <laughs> which was a choice. And I was like, you know what, I appreciate it because it worked. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was very chaotic. But yeah, it, it's very cringy. And not you, but as in just the, the story that was being told that I wrote is I mean, very I would cringy. argue the absolute opposite. I feel like the story was fine. It was literally just me. But but let's not go there. <laughs> but yeah, no, since then, you have gone on to write Home to the Wild, which you've briefly described. Tell us what that is very quickly before we get on to the main topic of the episode, because, you know, people need to go out and buy it and, you know, give you money for rent. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, so it is uh, the first story in the series, and it follows the little one, a young human girl who is being raised by wolves, but doesn't realise that she isn't actually a wolf until things start to turn a little bit dark in some cases and things start not working out for the pack as a whole when danger arrives at their doorstep and little one basically has to realize is her family better off with her or would they be safer without her um so uh, yeah it's a very fun ish because there's some sad stuff (laughs) coming of age wolf related story and uh it's 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 very exciting to have it out in the world. I need to buy my copy because I mean, I'm currently wading my way through a lot of books these days. So I'm getting back into reading properly, properly full time. But no, yours is definitely it's on my to read. Uh, it's also on my to buy list. So don't worry, $9.99 or whatever <laughs> the price is, is coming your way. Uh, <laughs> but back to the main point of the episode. Thank you very much, Fran, for telling us a little bit about yourself and obviously Home to the Wild. Please go and check it out, guys, and the podcast as well, as mentioned. But let's get to the main point of this episode, and that is the Power Rangers. Now, we it's an interesting film, to be honest with you, because I, like many people, didn't like it when it first came out. But Fran, on the other hand, absolutely adored this film when it came out and ever since. So, Fran, I'd like you, because you love it so much, to tell us what the film is about and why you love it in short basically take take it away okay so i'll do like the little mini synopsis stuff uh first so this is a film with five teenagers who don't really know each other before uh, a huge event where they are at this mine uh a cliff is exploded (laughs) and they find these five coins in it which are all the different colors of what we later find out to be the different colors of the power rangers and they each take one but they then get caught and then they end up in a train crash but they don't actually end up in the train crash because it's a day later and they're all perfectly fine and have no memory of what happened all they know is that now not only are they super strong their bodies are healed in the case of one of the lead characters who was injured on his leg his injury is no more everything is just intense and they have no idea what's happening so they head back to the main place and find a spaceship with a robot called alpha and uh, a face in a wall called zordon who tells them that they are the new heroes of the earth power rangers and basically all that means is that in 11 days they have to help save the world from rita repulsa who was part of zordon's team originally but is evil and is now trying to destroy the earth by stealing its source basically that gives it life and uh they have 11 days to learn how to train and learn how to be power rangers and get their armor and save the day but they're teenagers they don't know each other and things are just going bad from there but thankfully 
after a lot of days of training and chaos and stuff, they find a way to work together and get their arm and help save the day and save the world from Rita Repulsa. And now they are officially Power Rangers. And that is a perfect note <laughs> to end that synopsis on. Um, I feel, you know, it does sound really good and really engaging, to be fair. And for people who, because obviously it came out in 2017, it's that sort of era. Like, what, what was out at the time? Thor Ragnarok came out at the same time. Uh, we'd not long had, I think it would, no, we were approaching or not long had seen Avengers Infinity War as well, if I remember mm. correctly. Um, so, you know, big, big stuff was going on at the time. You know, 2017's a fairly good year. And also um, Blade Runner 2049, if I remember correctly as well, came out that year as well. So it was quite a good year for film. But obviously, like I said, not many people held this in high regard. Um, why did you personally love this film? Because I think you mentioned briefly before we started that you went into this quite blind. You didn't actually have a clue yeah. what it was about. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I knew like bits and pieces about the Power Rangers because like obviously it's in the cultural zeitgeist in a sense. You can't not have heard about it to a degree. But I'd never really watched anything about it. I didn't really know like the story of Power Rangers. I just know, just knew that they existed. Um, and so I just went in because I recognized some of the actors and in the case like Becky G was in it and I liked some of her music. So that was an additional reason. Um, and uh, also Naomi Scott, I knew from Lemonade Mouth on Disney Channel. I was like, oh my God, I love her. Um, so it was mainly for the actors I'd originally started watching the film. And I just basically kind of just really enjoyed it based on the fact that it is based, it is a story of teenagers who weren't friends beforehand becoming friends and helping to save the world through almost literally the power of friendship. Like a lot of the reasons why they get their Power Ranger armor, why they create the Megazord is through the power of friendship. And I know it sounds super cheesy, but I love stuff like that because like, having friends and being close with friends and bonding together and you know in the case of the fact that a lot of these teenagers in the story have pretty like sad and depressing home lives and they don't really feel like they are accepted at home or have like much connection to their family have found in a sense and it's like a found family trope a little bit as well because there's like mm -hmm. this scene where they have a bomb where they're having a bonfire and they open up about things that make them afraid or things that uh, is personal to them yeah. and um, they bond through that and I, I don't know I just I just kind of like stories where strangers come together who feel a little bit like outsiders and outcasts because of something that's happened um, and then come together yeah, additionally I, I like when characters are flawed as well because all of these characters were flawed in multiple different ways like they weren't ultimately just good people becoming superheroes they were flawed characters who were doing good things i think there was a line from um one of the characters i can't remember who it was i think it may have been jason so the red ranger mm. um says you did a bad thing but that doesn't make you a bad person mm. um and i just thought that was something that's a good in a sense line for the representation of what's happening going back to what you said about all the power of friendship and how cheesy it is it makes me laugh how people critically and also in the fandom of Power Rangers would criticize this film because it wasn't what they thought was a Power Rangers film. I mean, some people I don't actually know what they expected from a big budget mm. blockbuster like this one, because literally it's like Michael Bay and the MCU 
had a baby. Like it's traditional 21st century blockbuster stuff with, you know, computer generated images to realize what they couldn't do. Because for anyone, obviously, clearly Fran as well, who didn't know when she first went into this and anyone listening who doesn't know what Power Rangers is, it's the same premise as what Fran has just explained in the plot. Five teenagers or six in some cases, we'll get back to that later, um, where they fight evil villains from outer space or, you know, whatnot. And it started off with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in the 1990s, back in 1993. It is, even though they probably had a bit of a budget with it, it was quite low budget by very big comparison to the likes of the new film that's come out. But at the same time, it was that sense of, you know, it did look cheap and it was a very weird show because you had American actors and American scenes with the live action humans. Uh, and then you had these people dressed in the Power Ranger suits and the monster fights and everything, um, which were actually already filmed for another show. I believe it's Japan. Um, I could be wrong, but I think it's Japan. And it's known as Super Sentai, which is basically the original Power Rangers. Um, and they all they did was the Americans dubbed voices on top of the Power Rangers and the monster scenes, because if you look carefully at the monsters, their mouths aren't actually moving in time to the English words. And also the Power Rangers themselves, you can never actually see their faces. You only see their helmets and they only do like nods and stuff. So you can't actually tell what language it originally came from, what originated underneath the footage that we've been presented to us. So, you know, the fact that we have a big budget film like this, you think, oh, they'd love it, but people didn't. But the power of friendship, even though, like you said, it sounds quite cheesy, that is the cheesy element being incorporated into the film. The film itself does, like I said, go very hardcore Michael Bay, MCU style. I mean, it came out in 2017. It's like Blade Runner 2049 and Thor Ragnarok and um, Avengers Infinity War as well, you know, all those big ones of the time. And then there was this one in the middle, which didn't get quite as well received. But like you say, it's got a bit of an, it's got an interesting cast. I mean, you mentioned a couple like Becky G and um, Naomi Scott. Uh, like, I just, like, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, you were enticed by the cast and everything, weren't you? I just think mm. it's an interesting combination. And some people, one, one person, one person in particular, I recognised off this list and I actually didn't realise until I looked back at the cast list, who this was. But I'll just briefly go through the cast list of the main rangers for everyone. And just to let everyone know, there will be more spoilers ahead as we break the scenes down. But here are the cast as follows. So as the Red Ranger, we've got Jason Lee Scott, or Jason Scott, played by Dacry Montgomery, who's the one that I want to talk about first, because in just in brief, because it's Billy from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. It's just great. Like he keeps popping up in things. Like he was in Elvis recently. He's in that. Um, he was in a romantic comedy thing called the uh, what was it called? The Broken Hearts Gallery back in 2020. Uh, like he's just taken over the world. And this is where he, well, for me anyway, this is where he started. Um, I just didn't realize it was him because he's got much shorter hair. Uh, and he's being a little bit less mean in places uh, compared to yeah. Billy, but <laughs> that's all enough said there. Um, Naomi Scott, as you mentioned, she plays Kimberly Hart, the Pink Ranger. RJ Cycler uh, as Billy Cranston, who's the Blue Ranger, who interestingly, actually, they changed the characterization up a little bit, which is quite nice because it's good for representation with the Blue mm -hmm. Ranger. So Billy, he actually had, um, I think, I believe he had autism, didn't he? They... Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he did. And um, then we've got Becky G. You mentioned her already as Trini Kwan, I want to say. That's how you say her last name. She's the Yellow Ranger. And it's a very good departure from the original series because the original series, Trini was of Chinese origin, I believe. Um, or of some sort yeah. of Asian descent. And basically, obviously, people just hearing me say the words Chinese and Yellow Ranger, it doesn't sound very good. Uh, it was very stereotypical for the time. Um, it wasn't the best uh, depiction of people, especially because it was an American show as well. It's not exactly like it was the 50s either. It was the 90s. You'd think it'd be a bit more progressive, but it really wasn't. Um, so you had a Chinese woman as the Yellow Ranger, and we also had a black man as a black ranger which is the worst of all well up with the yellow ranger it's the worst one of all whereas they did change it up for the film and it makes it a little bit more less racist shall we say and more believable mm. that it could just be anyone it doesn't have to be certain boxed off types um it could be anyone yeah. and we i think that what's his name ludy lynn who played zach taylor he was the black ranger there is actually a joke i think which is in the trailer about the fact that going oh my god my color's black and the black character goes no you're not <laughs> which you know <laughs> is a nice bit of light-hearted humor there but it's you know oh, yeah. it's accepting the issues of the past and moving on and you know what would you say about that problematic element of it and the fact that the diversity you know autism and changing up the personalities of each of the rangers what would your sort of stance on that be well so i did know about that part of the fact that like usually if there was a black character in power rangers they were usually the black ranger or an asian character it's usually the yellow ranger and stuff like that um so i was aware of that and the fact that they changed that up in the film i was kind of like oh okay so they've changed from what had happened in the past so i was kind of like aware of that not necessarily when i first watched the film but when i'd heard more about it afterwards but um just from what i've heard a little bit more and looked into since like kind of becoming obsessed with this film um <laughs> i've noticed that especially with this film in particular the diversity within the film as a whole like there is only one white person who is a power ranger and that is jason scott he is hmm. the only white person within the team, which from what I've seen of bits and pieces of the original casts for the Power Rangers shows is like, basically this is like one of the first times that that happened, where it's basically predominantly people of color as Power Rangers. So I thought that was really interesting. And the additional fact of like the cultures are introduced in some cases. So, and I do apologize that I'm saying his name incorrectly for people who are listening, but Lin's character, Zach, he is having the chance to portray his Chinese heritage with his mother, where they are speaking, um, I think it's possibly Cantonese. I think they label it as Cantonese speaking in the subtitles, I may be wrong, where he's speaking to his sick mother in the language that she is speaking in. I just thought that was just really cool, just to introduce that element as just something just supernatural about it as well. I know it just, it works a lot of just having these group of kids who in a lot of cases are would be in a sense, ostracized in some cases within high school, like Billy being autistic and being black and being bullied for being autistic. It's nice to see also characters standing up for people like that. Like the first time we see Jason interacting with Billy is him standing up for Billy. And basically, in a sense, well, I was going to say the actual word, but he slaps the bully, which is hilarious. because like, he doesn't throw a punch. He just full on slaps the guy just being like hey <laughs> i did weird right and uh i don't know just the, the the humor the relationship between the characters the depth of their backstories and all these sort of things just oh, i love it so much yeah 
And it makes me so sad that so many people hated it because this was meant to be a franchise. We were meant yeah. to have sequels. Yeah. And they got panned so hard. Literally. They're doing a reboot instead now. Mm, like, yeah, no. I've heard about the reboot. Yeah, no, it's, oh, yeah, no, that two points I sort of want to grab, um, touch upon there that you mentioned. We get to see the Rangers, ho- like the teenagers' home lives. In mm. the original series, you don't really get that unless it's like a really, and it's really bad because, like I said, these were 20 minutes or 25 minute episodes shown in like on a like a weekday afternoon for like after school basically for the kids to watch essentially and so you have to go from the equilibrium of normal life to the disturbance to a fight scene which is ultimately very campy and very like you know we're gonna kick some putties and stuff Uh, and then it's resolved really quickly by a big bang and then some like little moral message at the end which is you know the moral was you know it's nice as morals at the end but the morals always seemed really forced in that respect they always seemed a little bit sort of like not an afterthought but it's like you open with the moral setting code and then you close it but it seems very much like here's the story of the week kids and you know it because it was so condensed it made it quite crappy but at the same time people obviously i mean i did as well when i was growing up when i watched the repeats loved the fast-paced nature of it but watching it back now because i've watched a couple of classic episodes of like not just mighty morphin but the other power ranger series which i was more familiar with the pacing is especially in the 90s show is less to be desired it's very distorting now being used to two hour three hour long epics and 45 minute episodes of tv shows that we would have something so quick and so like the solutions be so crappy and easy that it doesn't make sense so you know i agree with you you know the development of the characters and we actually get to meet the parents because the parents were mostly referred to or like oh my god hey kids i got you some cookies and they're like there for like five seconds and they're gone (laughs) it makes no sense but then the other thing i'd like to sort of mention as well this is was meant to be a franchise as you rightfully said they even did so in a spoiler alert if anyone wants to actually check it out but there was a post credit scene, I believe it was, mm. or at least towards the end of the film. There is a scene where we see nothing but an empty chair back at the school um, in Angel Grove, because that's the place where this is set. And it's one of the original factors, as well as all the character names and the colours and such for the Rangers brought forward from the TV show. This, uh, Angel Grove High School, we get to see as like uh, they call out for a new student or something and he's not there. It's got an empty seat nothing but a green jacket and this would have been the introduction of the proper green ranger tommy oliver who originally was played by the legend the legend jason david frank not because his middle name's david just to point out um (laughs) but no tommy oliver was the one of the original power rangers who has been through he starred in um the dino thunder series as well for anyone who knows that as well and there was a whole episode which was basically a glorified clip show, but it was my favourite thing because I learned about the history of Power Rangers through it. His character would have got the big screen treatment and his arc would have got the big screen treatment. It was actually my favourite arc in the original series about showing a ranger who was a fellow teenager being corrupted and then going from the dark side to becoming good again. I really would have loved to see that on a big screen, but we didn't. Uh, And it would have been so good but also I feel like, you know, so much is unsaid. What would you, you know, what would you, what was your sort of feelings towards that loose end then? You said you were disappointed, but give us a little bit more on what you were thinking. I was just intrigued as to the potential, because obviously going from, as someone who 
didn't really have any knowledge of like the Power Rangers history and stuff like that. I was just intrigued as to what was going to happen here because we'd technically already been introduced to a Green Ranger in the form of Rita Repulsa. Yeah, we did. Is it is this like an original thing for the film where she was originally a ranger or was yeah. that a thing for the show as well? No, no. So interestingly, as far as I can see, as far as I remember, so basically Rita is a lot more, I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way either. She was much more sexy and much more attractive in the film than she was in the original series. Mm. <laughs> the original series, she's like this little witchy hobbit who just shouts and screams all the time and she's just generally irritating. Whereas Elizabeth Banks brings that sultry sexual appeal that's very femme fatale-like in that respect, very film noir. Mm. And it makes her a formidable opponent. But no, it wasn't part of the original series at all. Like the whole mythos of the Power Rangers, the fact that Zordon used to be a ranger and everything i mean i'm sure it might be written down somewhere in the tapestries of power rangers history maybe but as far as i know it was an original concept for the film to basically give the whole well who the hell zordon who's rita like other than the fact that rita is the bad guy and zordon's this force of good and he's just recruited these random teenagers because otherwise if you look back at the original series he literally just found some teenagers who happen to be wearing the colours that they end up being in the Power Rangers <laughs> series. Because that's how it is. They get abducted basically by Zordon being like, oh yeah, well, I just, it's a bit of a weird one, if you ask me. But yeah, it was an original yeah. concept for the film. It, it was interesting. And the, the opening sequence, I actually love the opening sequence. Like, I love the fact that Zordon isn't just this floating head. Like, I love the fact that he was actually a person once. And it's very interesting they contextually brought in the fact that that battle and Zordon basically killing himself, essentially, before he gets, like, taken into the morphine grid. And that's what makes him this giant head. I just think it's a really good like way of introducing the film and saying, you know, eons ago, and they say they're the reason the dinosaurs got wiped out as well. Like so much context has been brought into this film. Lots of thought has been put into it. Like it does make me think that my initial reaction to the film being this is utter crap was a little bit misguided and a little bit misjudged at times. Like there are still things I don't like about the film. Don't get me wrong. But I think that people were too quick to judge the film because they thought it was a going to be directly like the TV show. But if anyone's mm. naive enough to think that with all this technology on all the new skills in filmmaking that have advanced since the 1990s television TV budget, uh, I think they'd be very, very harshly mistaken in thinking that they could keep the original tackiness of it unless they're making a new show that's not Power Rangers and it's meant to look rubbishy, like a that 70s show style thing. But... I don't think, you know, and you clearly love it as well, but like, I'm going to move <laughs> on to, before I give it like a rating and point out some bits that I like as well, um, we should mention Brian Cranston is the voice of Zordon. <laughs> out of everyone. Yes. Like, I, what was, I, I, I couldn't believe it because he's done so much, but Brian Cranston out of everyone, like, like our old media teacher, like, I don't even know whether he even watched it. If you remember our old media teacher, Fran, he would love, he just loves Brian Cranston to pieces for his Breaking Bad work, but I just can't believe that he's the voice of Zord. He is Zordon. And then Elizabeth Banks, like I said, she brought the sex appeal and the sultriness and the general badassery to yeah. Rita also Repulsa. Also kind of the horror, the horror as well, mm. elements. Like, there were a lot of jump scares from, like, the Rita Repulsa stuff of when she was, like, the corpse side Oh yeah. of Rita. Oh. Like, 
with the police officer going down and then like the glow and then her like jumping out but also her like attacking people in the way that she did in like the early stages mm. there was a lot of like some horror ishness to it which i thought was really cool like she pulled it off very well the creepiness alongside yeah. obviously being attractive because it's elizabeth banks oh yes of <laughs> course we look at elizabeth banks we love you honestly i mean you can take the zero crystal any day as long as as long as you don't kill me yeah <laughs> take me with you <laughs> take me with you to be honest and that's the other thing actually as well that i think didn't anger fans but you know goldar so goldar's this giant it's like mm. he's, he's meant to be a monkey with gold monkey with wings at least he is in the original um, and he, he's what? very weird. Yeah, it's weird because he's the same height as Rita and uh, the infamous Lord Zed, who if we'd seen more films, we would have got a Lord Zed on the big screen, which personally I think would have looked really good if they'd done the design right. It would have looked really good. But mm-hmm. like he was he looked well, I mean, he looked like a monkey anyway in the original with with wings and he was like gold armored similar effect in the film but i just i think that's the one thing that people were like oh goldar's just this big massive massive like not robot massive servant like but he was a servant in the original at least he's sort of got some more credibility being like a voiceless servant and he's just like this evil spirit animal thing or whatever he was meant to be Mm. uh, attached to the earth's core and stuff but like uh, I, i don't know there are lots of differences which were both good and bad of the show the one thing that i didn't like uh, like and it's not character development it's none, none of that sort of stuff one thing I didn't like was not so much the pacing but I don't know what you would say about it so you can tell me your thoughts on why but think about this but I, I wasn't a fan of the fact that even though this is clearly an adaptation of the pilot episode and they've stretched it out to an hour and a half to two hours I was not a fan of the fact that it took them so long to get in their Power Ranger outfits like it, it, I just think it could I'm not saying it should have been done straight away because you need mm. that time to breathe. But they literally only just get into their suits by the end of the film. And they only just, we only just get to see the Power Rangers emerge by the end of the film. That's the one thing that sort of irked me a little bit in this. It's the mm. pacing of them getting to that. I mean, I, I understand they have to go through the journey and they have to go through everything else. But I, I just think at the end of the day, it was really a missed opportunity to get more fighting action in. For me personally, I thought this was. A very much a mixture between even though it's I think it's meant to be set in the present day I think of the time but it's got yeah. it, even though it's got senses of like 80s 90s John Hughes movies attached to this it like there's when they're all in detention which is how they initially meet the majority of the the kids they all meet in like a breakfast club style way and some of them the way they the way Angel Grove appears as a town it's very much like those classic tv shows or films from the 80s where you'd be in like a small town and a bit like stand by me the eight, 1980s film um based on stephen king's the body or any oh, yeah. of the, or any like stephen king based coming of age plot really where the kids are like in a shadowy town like castle rock basically or even the town of bates motel the tv series like or twin peaks even for that matter like it's middle America in that sort of out of town, out of the way, away from mainline USA that gets me a little bit. But what would you say about the, the the pacing of it, really, the narrative and just the general tone of it? And like, can you draw any comparisons yourself that you might have noticed? I can definitely see what you mean with the pacing. I don't think it's like 
I don't think it drags as much, but admittedly, this is also coming from like a non-Power Rangers fan perspective, I guess. Mm. But I think the only issue that came with them getting the suits later is that the trailers and marketing was almost solely focusing on them in the Ranger suits. I think if they hadn't done that as much, I don't think people would have had too many of those expectations going in. Like the the in-film logic for why they haven't gotten the suits works for why it's taken so long for them to be able to get them i think what could have been good is like when we have that earlier scene of like when um zach and jason are fighting that billy's gets his suit because he doesn't like them fighting and he wants them to stop because he cares about them and it was his caring about them is what led him to getting into his suit not that they kind of fully figure that out at that point but it would have been interesting if there'd been more moments of them kind of not even like fully getting the suit because obviously this the whole thing of the in-film logic is that the suits are in a sense within them it's when they kind of power with each other and kind of like connect and are in a sense sort of selfless to a degree now they get their suit but maybe having moments of where some of them get half of the suit and they don't get it fully because they've not fully reached that stage yet mm. um and there are also a few like deleted scenes that i think would have been really good to kind of keep in of just building up the relationship between mm. them so i'm kind of fine with like the length of it and the pacing and the fact that it takes them till nearer the end because that's like very much the sort of superhero thing of like it mm. takes to that final moment yeah the final push until like in the case of thor for example it's literally in the like he's already been fighting without his hammer he's doing really badly in the first fourth thor film and then he eventually sort of like gets that belief and becomes worthy again mm. and then the fight changes yeah that I like it's from that perspective that I'm kind of not too fast because it's written as like a superhero yeah. film narrative yeah and to be honest kind of yeah sorry no sorry to interrupt you I was just gonna say yeah, and to okay. be honest I think I agree with you what you've pointed out is very right the trailers because I I watched the film as well but I watched the trailer before we started recording and it is very true the majority of the trailer focuses solely for the most part on the epic action sequences and the epic moments where they're leading up to get their suits and stuff so you're kind of left a bit underwhelmed because you're Mm. left with a teen drama mixed with some superhero stuff if you've been told from the outset like I think when it's one of the things that killed it was the marketing really they marketed it as oh it's Power Rangers it's like a superhero film it's great but then they gave you something much more different and it's not that it's bad but at the same time it's because you were expecting something else and the producers and the marketing made you think you were going to get something else, it did inherently make it seem like they'd totally buggered it up from the outset. Um, So, you know, I completely wholeheartedly agree with you. Personally, I would rate it, I would say 3.5 out of five stars only because of my own personal sort of view on the pacing and mainly because I'm a bit jaded by the by the trailer and how it was initially perceived personally also even if you even if you kept the development of the characters I still think like you said it would have been nice to have moments where we saw them in the suits like because we get a moment where I think is it Zach I think it's either Zach or um uh or Billy one of the two gets into one of their zords and they basically crash it essentially nearly oh yeah that's Zach (laughs) yeah that's Zach yeah that's it he nearly kills the rest of the fight that has Billy getting into his suit. Between, like, yeah, because, you know, you get a little bit there, but it would have been nice if, like, 
I don't know, they somehow got the suits earlier or they developed something. So they, or maybe they did the teenagery thing where they sneak into the lair and they get the suits and they all, you know, they play, they mess around and play around and test and stuff. And we could have like a montage or something of them working out their powers and such in a true teenage fashion. But that's mm. just one suggestion I'd have for it personally. And it's the only reason I'm saying 3.5 because it's not a film I'd watch over and over again. Having rewatched it, I think it's not as bad as I remembered. It's that case of initial reaction syndrome or whatever the actual name for it is, is the fact that mm. I reacted very badly at the time because it wasn't what I expected. It's the same thing for like, people who hate cult movies like the likes of Rocky Horror and, um, you know, Weird Way Out, um, like uh, the films of John Waters, you know, like the strange, very obscure films from any period in film history where people say they were really rubbish, but then people decide to take them into their own hearts and really show that they're actually not as bad as you think they are. And um, you've actually, I will thank you because you've made me sort of rekindle an interest in this film and I might watch it one more time as well just to you know analyze a little bit more but also just to enjoy it so thank you happy to do so I'm happy to get people back onto the movie again <laughs> <laughs> and please guys if Power Rangers ends up becoming a cult sensation please mention Take 97 the film podcast and uh Fran because you know we need the money now I'm joking <laughs> we need the credit <laughs> but I, I honestly it's a it's really good and something I'd like to mention as well so my favorite sit so I love the scene at the end so the actual fight sequence because it's classic battle stuff it's really good classic Power Ranger mm-hmm. stuff is in there as well because you get them fighting the little putty warrior things or whatever they are in this universe and I love just the general fighting between Rita and the Rangers Rita's really my character highlight really because not that I don't like the kids but Rita Elizabeth Banks does a stunning job of bringing her sort of superhero femme fatale nature into it and um, what would you do you have a favorite character well maybe it's just Rita or do you have like a favorite ranger then uh and also do you have any other moments that you like besides obviously the bit where they um Zach and Billy there's the instigation of the fight after the crash of the uh Zord I think my favorite character is actually possibly going to be Billy just Mm. because like being somebody who's autistic myself as well Mm. uh, he's just such an interesting character like his enjoyment of being a ranger and also finding friends as well because this was like a thing that we kind of discover early on is that he's bullied a lot in school that he doesn't really have that many people around him who are friends with him and so like his compassion and his love for the other rangers I think isn't that I just really enjoyed seeing like he does so much for the group and he enjoys being around them and he's finally found other people who enjoy being around him as well and I just thought he's just like he's the heart of the story I think it is for me or the heart of the rangers at least which Mm. is like stated quite obviously in the film as well when something bad happens to Billy and all the other rangers are just completely devastated um and that was just that was like a moment I think that actually cemented the film for me as being a favorite of mine mm. is that the, the emotional core of the film is something like that's been something for me for like most films I've watched if there's an emotional core that I can engage with I'm going to enjoy the film and that's kind of what happened for me with the Power Rangers of the mm. fire the fire pit scene of them talking about oh yes past, 
um, and them engaging with each other and sharing their stories and with like no judgment whatsoever as well. Yeah. No, um, good. And the really, openness between them. It really brings that breakfast, like I said, the breakfast club vibes, but in a good way. Mm. I, I have to say the campfire scene is very, it is good in that respect that it makes you remember, oh, this looks like a John Hughes movie, but in the middle of a superhero scenario, but it actually works. And mm. I quite, I quite, that's the one thing I do when they take it slow. I do like that. I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I, you know, I have to agree. Billy is a really good part of the of the film. He's the heart of the Rangers. I can't say Brian Cranston's Zordon is my favourite, not because I think he's rubbish or anything, but he, he is literally just there for being the mentor and to get really crabby with them, being like, you're not doing what I want you to do because he has, you know, you have 11 days to save the world kind of thing. So the urgency is king. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed that uh, Alpha 5, as we mentioned, his voice is portrayed by Bill Hader. Uh, not an actor I've ever heard of before, but I, I missed the squeaky sort of panicky <laughs> ay, 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 from the original Alpha 5 from the TV show. But yeah, I can li- take it or leave it with that, really, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'd say Elizabeth Banks does a brilliant job as a supervillain here. She's really good. She has more depth to her and even more depth than I ever imagined. And she actually has become, because I used to love Lord Zed in the original TV show, Rita was just an annoying hobbity woman that just used to cackle and boss people around and shout at people all the time. Zed used to do that as well, but Zed had the, like, I don't know, he had that power and that conviction behind him that you felt like there mm. could have been more and he could have been better as well. And it's why I really am sad that we don't get any more films in this universe because it could have been really good. But I'll wait and see what the reboot does and I'll hold my breath for that as we wait for it to come to fruition. But yeah. if any anyone's a fan of Power Rangers films, there was the 1995 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which basically took a lot of the original actors from the time, the show of the time. So from 1995 at the time, and it sort of was canonical, canonical with the, uh, the TV show. It was just as campy, if not worse, uh, than the TV show, but with a slightly bigger budget. Uh, it's worth a watch if you want to look into your Power Rangers history. Uh, and then the other, the only other film, because this is only the third Power Rangers film, this 2017 version ever. The the second one was back in 1997. It's as old as yours truly. Uh, <laughs> it is Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, which is a strange one because it was a movie, but it acted as like the pilot episode or sort of go between, between, I think it was Power Rangers Zeo and Power Rangers Turbo. So basically it showed the birth of the Turbo Rangers, essentially, uh, rather than just being episodes in the show, this film kicked off the Turbo Rangers era of power rangers uh, but like this one started fresh it did something new something different and you know 3.5 out of 5 is my stab steady in the middle I- i'm sure i can predict that you'd say 5 out of 5 for yours but <laughs> i was actually gonna i was gonna do 4.7 for Ooh. my range just because i do think there are some things that can be improved which ironically were the scenes that ended up just being deleted scenes in the mm. end um, just for further expansion on the relationships between the characters. Because I think there are a few characters that I don't think had enough chance to kind of bond with each other. But that's something that would have possibly happened in the sequel, which I will forever be mad about that yeah. we didn't get a sequel. And ironically, a lot of people on TikTok, like a huge TikTok stars, have been talking about Power Rangers 2017. And there are lo- there's lots of love for it. So I think it's actually already started having a cult following mm. because... There's a lot of chatter about it at the moment. I'm waiting for the day that one of my uh, my favourite collectible brands 
Like, I don't know. I don't think the Criterion Collection would quite do it, but I feel like Arrow Video, the very cult following films, I feel like Arrow Video will do like a cult version of Power Rangers 2017 with collectible bits with it, like a maybe like a Power Coin collectible and like some poster art cards and stuff and like in a Ooh. special box, you know, I'll send that your way. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> I will do indeed. And the other thing, the last thing I just want to point out was that for me personally as a big fan, obviously it wouldn't have affected you too much unless you knew a little bit. But there's Jason David Frank, as I mentioned earlier, the original Tommy Oliver and Amy Jo Johnson, everybody's crush who watched Power Rangers, the original series, who played the original Kimberly Hart. She and she doesn't look a day over the age that she was in the show, to be honest. She doesn't look too <laughs> aged. Poor old Jason David Frank, is he's aged, but Amy Jo, no, she's great. Um, the pair of them appear as Angel Grove citizens in the ending uh, of the film during the final battle, uh, and like as Angel Grove citizens looking on at the battle between the Power Rangers and is that Rita. The ones who do the phone, who yeah, like I, start filming. Is that them? I'm pretty sure. So it's a, the, the, like the brunette haired um, uh, young woman and the man that's next to her. If you see two people next to it, it's those. I'll post the picture on Take 97 and send it to you later. But yeah, it's. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're really good. And it sort of made me go, oh, they accept the original. I mean, to be fair, it was produced by Saban. So <laughs> it is unexpected. It's not to be unexpected. But yeah, that's all I really have to say. I feel like I've done so much talking, but I hope I've let you say some stuff as well. Oh, <laughs> like, yes. No. I've, I've let myself, my inner fanboy come out from when I was like nine or whatever it was when I watched these. <laughs> You're all good. You you allowed my inner fan for this movie to come out as well. So thank you very much. <laughs> Let no, me you're you're about absolutely it. welcome. That's all I have to say on this topic, really. And I'm going to sort of cut it there and uh, really just close off with Fran. If people want to follow you, give us your mm-hmm. social medias. And also, once again, tell us what, your, uh, what the name of your book is and where people can buy the book as well, because people have got to read it because it looks to be really good. So for anyone uh, who's listening and wants to follow me, I am at a dose of Fran on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I have a YouTube channel where I upload weekly videos for Percy Jackson content called A Healthy Dose of Fran. And if you're into wolves, Tarzan, and lesbians, <laughs> you can check out my book, Home to the World, the first in the Into the World series, out on all platforms. So whether you want to support Amazon or don't, because it's Amazon, uh, you can order it into your local bookstores. Or if you can't afford it too much, you can go to your local library because that supports me just as much as well as supports your local library because libraries are important for people to be able to read and get educated. So yeah, uh, it's also on all ebook platforms as well. So if you don't want to get a paperback, you can get it on ebook platforms also. So that's Home to World by Francesca McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say before I close this episode off, I that's my new favourite tagline now. I think that should have been the tagline of the book itself. If you like wolves and lesbians, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be the tagline I use in future. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> like please, <laughs> please do, please do, because honestly, I know several people for a fact that will love that tagline. I mean, I love that tagline and I haven't even read the book yet. So (laughs) I think it's going to be amazing. So Fran, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute joy just to sort of back and forth, geek out about Power Rangers, be it the old stuff, the new stuff, our likes and dislikes, and talking about the inspiration that is your crazy mind that came up with a story all about Tarzan-like stories, lesbians, wolves, and everything in between. (laughs) 
<laughs> thank you so much this has been a lot of fun and that's a wrap on take 97 the go go power rangers edition of the podcast with me your host david ingram and your friendly lesbian author francesca mcmahon thank you very much guys i'll see you on the next episode catch you later bye <laughs>